this morning I want to point us all to the invitations of Jesus um, to each of us. Is that okay? Wonderful. Great. Well, I hope it's okay because I'm going to do it now. So um, the reading this morning is taken from uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, and it's going to come up on the screen. We're beginning at verse 25. And the title of this is, The Father is Revealed in the Son, in Jesus. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of all, create, all heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for the Anglicans amongst us. Um, but life is, um, life is full of invitations. Um, You've probably noticed that, be it a wedding invitation, a party invite, invite for a meal, a pint, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, it might be that you're here this morning because you were invited to the Thanksgiving. Um, other people have been invited on the Alpha course that we mentioned in the notices. Uh, and it's a powerful thing. Invitations are going on all the time. If you were to look through your spam list on your email, which I wouldn't recommend doing, because uh, there's all sorts in there, not, not all of them, just in case, but a lot of them will involve in the subject heading some kind of invitation, some kind of invitation to you on some level, trying to get our attention. And there's something within us that wants to respond to invitations one way or another. Sometimes it's a strong absolutely not. If you're a yes person, you end up saying yes to too many invitations. Um, uh, we respond in different ways. Uh, and as I said, some of us have been invited here this morning. Either someone just said, do you want to come to church with me? You know, you've asked me questions about Jesus and about what it means to follow Jesus. Well, why don't you come and see what his people do, what, what the church does, uh, and see what you think? Or as I said, maybe you're here for the Thanksgiving. Wonderful to have you. Um, but at some point down the line, every believer has responded to an invitation. Uh, maybe from someone, um, something going on at church and you get invited along, to an alpha course maybe. But more importantly than in, in, uh, responding to the invitations from people, we've responded to the invitations of Jesus that is open and available uh, to all people. And when I say all, it's not just us here this morning, it's not just Cambridge, it's not just the UK, it's the whole world. These invitations that we're going to unpack this morning are Jesus' invitation in his heart for the whole world, which is quite an amazing thing. So a little bit of my story. Um, uh, some of you will have heard this before. A major part of, uh, of me becoming a follower of Jesus, uh, which is what a disciple means, a learner, someone that's learning how to follow Jesus every day. No one's an expert. But a major part of me becoming that and working out what it's all about and ending up, would you believe, a vicar, um, is down to invitation. Um, I didn't go to church as a child, um, but I did go to a Christian youth group. Um, because I fancied a girl called Susie. 
Um, Susie's getting more and more famous in this church every time. Uh, one day she's going to listen to this message and realize how far her fame has gone uh, since those days of my early teenage years. Um, but I, I didn't go to the youth group because of the God slot that happened towards the end every week where they'd try and tell us um, something about God's love for us. But really, um, it was because of Susie. And after a while, my mates stopped going um, to, to this youth group. The football got a bit boring, uh, whatever. Um, the tuck shot wasn't as good anymore. But Susie remained. So therefore, I remained. Um, thank you, Susie. God bless you. Anyway, uh, one day, um, uh, probably just knowing, knowing me from this youth group, the vicar turned up at my house. Would you believe? It was in a village uh, in the middle of Derbyshire, so the vicar was known and probably would do visits a lot of the time. He's a great guy. But he came round with an invite for me to go on an activity camp in the summer. You may have heard this kind of thing before. Uh, wonderful, I thought. Rock climbing, abseiling, biking, uh, banana boating. That got removed after the year I went because someone broke their nose. Anyway, that's another thing. Um, so that was against health and safety after a while. That is an aside. So all those things, biking, etc., they sounded great. But what I hadn't clocked and what they hadn't told me that is that every night we'd gather in uh, what looked like some kind of old kind of scout marquee and there'd be someone with a guitar in there and we'd be singing these songs like, Shine Jesus, Shine. Does anyone know that song? Yeah, maybe a few of us, uh, amongst others. And people would be singing these songs with so much passion, it made me begin to think that they were singing them as though this Jesus was in the room. It wasn't what I'd been used to, where we were singing songs to, to someone that appeared to be in the sky that was now irrelevant, but we were singing as though Jesus was in the room. And it shocked me. It hit me in the chest a little bit because it had not been my experience that that is what church was. That would be what following Jesus would be. And I went back over the years to this camp. Um, we called it camp because we were cool. Um, and it had a large hand in me becoming uh, a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And you know what? I saw something different in these people that I met there. Um, something that somehow seemed more alive. I realized over time that that, that thing was Jesus. The only thing that, that made me different to them was Jesus, was that they made a choice to follow Jesus. And they had a peace that I didn't have. They had a, a kind of a vibrancy about them that I didn't have. I was a reasonably vibrant teenager, but there was something about them that somehow felt more real, more at peace, more, more full of joy, more full of hope didn't even realize I had a lack of hope at that point. And that was despite what was going on in their lives. Various people I met there had various very, very hard backgrounds and upbringings, uh, and things would go on in their lives, but the joy, the vibrancy, the hope remained. So coming back from camp, as we called it, word got round that I actually liked the band secretly. They were called Jonah which is a classic Christian rock band name. So I was invited to play in the band at church, uh, and I was going to bring this kind of heavy metal, big kind of jagged black guitar that I had at the time that I thought was the coolest thing in the world. Um, and they invited me to play in the band in this uh, village church. Um, all I knew was power chords, Green Day and Blink-182. <laughs> Uh, and an overdrive on an oversized martial amp that I'd kind of haul into the church every week. Um, 
but they put up with me. So God bless St. Mary's Crouch uh, there with all the pews uh, and me with this massive martial lamp. I don't know what they were doing, but they did it. But without these invitations um, uh, and many more that I could probably talk uh, a lot longer about, it's unlikely that I would be a follower of Jesus now. Um, And probably because of that, I probably, I hope, wouldn't be a vicar. Uh, because that would be a little bit interesting if I wasn't a follower of Jesus. It just wouldn't work. One person on, um, who came on the Alpha course last year, um, as we've said, the Alpha course is a chance to explore life, faith, and meaning according to the Christian faith. One person who came on it last year um, uh, said this of her experience of being invited. My New Year's resolution for 2018 had been to meet new people. So when I was invited to Alpha by a housemate, I thought it was the perfect opportunity. I wasn't quite expecting to meet Jesus as well. Don't you love that? There was no expectation. It was a free meal, meet some people. Oh, and I met Jesus, by the way. This person's now doing, it's Holly, you've met Holly probably, she's doing a, um, a year with us, a discipleship year, a gap year, uh, learning how to follow Jesus, and she's amazing, and it's great to have her. Um, she responded to an invitation to Alpha, uh, but more profoundly, she responded to Jesus' invitation during that time. So, here's the question, why are you here, and have you responded to Jesus' invitation? I don't just mean if you've been a Christian for years back then when I went and said, yes, I'm now a follower of Jesus. Have you responded to his invitation today to you? And for those of us that have never responded, have you responded to Jesus' invitation? And if we don't hear anything else this morning in the midst of my rambling stories, know that the Lord Jesus welcomes and invites you to him. He is alive. He is the hope of the world. And this is the ultimate invitation of Jesus himself. Come home to me. Come and receive life. In our reading today, Jesus' claims are really quite amazing. I don't know whether you noticed them as I read. But God the Father conceals and reveals according to his will, it talks about. We cannot grasp God's invitation by our own effort. In other words, we cannot think our way to God. I don't know if you've tried, but we cannot think our way to God. He conceals these things from the learned and chooses them to reveal, to, to reveal them to children. And it says this is what he's pleased to do. Amazing to, to have that on a, on a Thanksgiving Sunday. He chooses to reveal them to children, like Elizabeth. I was going to say Bethany. <laughs> Keep getting the name wrong. Elizabeth. Elizabeth, you know... Um, may not be able to speak yet, but who are we to know what God has revealed of himself to Elizabeth as she's prayed for, as she's brought up in a, in a Christian environment? It's an amazing opportunity uh, for her and for, for parents and all those around. God is pleased to reveal himself. It is the heart of God. And Jesus knows the Father completely. Jesus knows the Father's heart, and Jesus comes with God's claim on human hearts. On your heart. Many have a view of God that is other than Jesus. And I'd suggest if your view of God is something that is not seen in Jesus, it's probably distorted in some way. If you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. 
is what it says in Scripture. No one knows the Father's intimacy like Jesus, as intimately as him. Many people um, have discovered and taught noble things about God. Like, there's so many libraries in Cambridge that we could go and read all about him uh, in the theology department, and that's wonderful stuff. But Jesus does not know just something about God. He doesn't even know everything about God. He knows God absolutely. Jesus knows God absolutely. And Jesus reveals the Father. The way to the Father is through Jesus. John 3.16, probably in the youth group, what they used to say to me every week and I didn't listen. But John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. John 14 says, anyone who has seen me, this is Jesus talking, not me, anyone who has seen me, Jesus says, has seen the Father. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. One person puts it like this, if you want to know the epicenter of God's self-disclosure, disclosure, sorry, you will find it in Jesus. And we can't operate a middle ground with this. This is a classic Alpha talk now. This is week two of Alpha. We can't operate a middle ground. And it strikes me every year in my life how often I'm operating a middle ground. I'm sitting on the fence when it comes to what Jesus invites me to. C.S. Lewis says this, you must make your choice. Either this man, Jesus, was and is the son of God or else a madman or something else. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronising nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us, and he did not intend to. Jesus claimed to be God. And after saying all that about himself, what does he say? He says, come to me. Despite your theology, despite what you might think about me, despite how disappointed you are, despite how you don't understand what happened over here, Jesus says, I know the Father. I represent the Father. Come to me. Come to me, not go to God. Jesus being very present says, come to me. I've come to seek you out. Come to me is Jesus' attitude to all people. Come to Jesus. It's personal, it's real, it's material, it's fleshy. And it's a second-by-second invitation that he repeatedly offers to us. In this circumstance, he says, come to me all who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. We talk about rest a lot in this church. Are you operating from rest? But I wonder, is anybody here burdened this morning? Is anyone here weary? Has anybody already switched off from my talk because you're too tired and I've been going on for too long? There's an amazing rest that comes from being put right with God and millions have found it. But he invites us today into that rest. And that's the opposite of what many people think about God and Christianity. I think it's the exact opposite of what people think God will say to them. Maybe, maybe we think that if God wants us to come home, he's going to say, come home and I'll give you some rules. And you won't be able to have that bit of fun anymore. Come home and I'll give you some more regulations for your life. 
and it'll just become a little bit beige and boring. Come home to me and I'll give you religion, so you have to do this, this and this, and then you're okay with me. I don't think that's what he says at all. He says, come home and I will give you rest. Come to me and I'll give you rest. You see, God never meant for us to live in our own strength. Perhaps that's why we're so tired and busy, burnt out, unavailable a lot of the time. Because we do operate in our own strength. The Bible says he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. You know, he's the one who made you. He's the one who created you. He's watched every moment of your life to this point. He knows everything about you and he still loves you. He still forgives you. And he still says, come home to my peace and my strength. When you do that, you'll have a real peace that transcends all understanding. That's quite a message to Cambridge, isn't it? Nothing wrong with achievement. Nothing wrong with trying to think ourselves somewhere. But God says you don't need to do that to come to me. I'm here. You don't need to achieve anything. Thomas Merton was a, uh, an Anglican priest, Catholic priest, I think, actually. Uh, and he wrote this, um, which I'm still trying to come to terms with, but I'll read it to you. There is a pervasive form of contemporary violence to which the idealist most easily succumbs, activism and overwork. The rush and pressure of modern life are a form, perhaps the most common form, of its innate violence. To allow oneself to be carried away by a multitude of conflicting concerns, to surrender to too many demands, to commit oneself to too many projects, to want to help everyone in everything is to succumb to violence. The frenzy of our activism neutralizes our work for peace. It destroys our own inner capacity for peace. It destroys the fruitfulness of our own work because it kills the root of inner wisdom which makes work fruitful. It's a slightly challenging quote. Not to me, because I've got it sorted. But, um... So Jesus says, come to me, doesn't he? Rest and take my yoke. The yoke is something that Jesus may have made in a carpenter's workshop. Um, it's a wooden frame joining two animals, usually oxen, together at the neck, enabling them to pull a plough or a wagon together. The function of the yoke is to make the burden easier to carry. And the value of a yoke is that it halves the load. Without a yoke, one cow's got to pull the entire load by itself. But if you yoke up to the cow, a cow with another cow, then two cows pull the load together, and the load is half as heavy. When Jesus says, take his yoke upon you, in this passage, he's not saying he's going to give you his problems, because he's not got any problems. So we can get rid of that one. He's saying he's going to share your problem. He's going to share your load. And he's going to take your stress on himself. Come to me, team up with me, take my yoke upon you, and learn how to do it. Take on a lighter load. Doesn't mean you won't be busy. Doesn't mean what you're experiencing right now in feeling stress and burnout is not real. But Jesus invites us to something else. It's 
It's not saying don't take responsibility for your life and drift into a fluffy sense of lying down and waiting for things to happen because God might come and do it at some point. It's just nonsense. It's giving us a head to do things. He's saying, partner with me, receive my grace, a gift you don't deserve. And from that gift that you don't deserve, of me, of coming to me from rest, take responsibility with me and I'll help you navigate life. So he says to us, come and rest. But he also says this, come and see. Come and see who I am, what I do, what you're missing. Jesus is a, is a response to those who are intrigued about him. Come and see. Come close. Come and see what the Almighty can do, is what a hymn says. A renewed sense of reality of the reality of God. Maybe that's an invitation for you this morning. He also says, come and drink. In John 7, it says, on the last and the greatest day of the festival, there was obviously some festival going on, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Come to me and you'll be refreshed by rivers of living water. Maybe that's an invitation to you this morning. He also says, come and follow in Matthew. Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. You'll find purpose in my grace that leads to this responsibility to live for me. And here's an important promise. He also says, I'll be with you to the very end of the age. Not go off and do it and wait one day for something, for heaven. He says, I'm going to be with you now as we do this. And that's what we call the Holy Spirit. No wonder that as I've spoken today, you've probably realised there are some things in you that are out of sync. That's not me convicting you, because I can't do that. That's not my job. That's, that's God himself this morning, knocking on the door of your heart saying, come to me. Jesus is here. No wonder often when we sing, or we haven't been in church for a while, we can get tearful. That's the Holy Spirit saying, come to me. See, Jesus isn't here to judge. I hope you've gathered that already. Uh, to tell us off, but to lead us to life. And he's utterly committed to it. We come to drink from the well today of him and be sent out with God's rest, having seen him again, having refreshment as we drink drink of living water, and choosing again to follow him. So what is it? Rest, to see Jesus, to be refreshed, to follow. Okay, shall we stand together?